We are outdoor ladies who hunt, shoot, and fish, all while working in conservation and chasing kids. I am Julia Plugge with the Nebraska Game and Parks Commission. I'm Rachel Alice with the Iowa Department of Natural Resources. I am Megan Weiskup with the Iowa Department of Natural Resources. And I'm Tana Fancher with the Kansas Department of Wildlife, Parks, and Tourism. Follow us on our outdoor adventures. and welcome back to She Goes Outdoors. I'm Tana Fancher with the- I am Julia Pl- Rachel Alice. With- well, I heard there was a bit of a challenge on a previous episode and uh, you guys know me, never to be outdone. I'm here this week with our fourth episode in the State Park series with a super knowledgeable guest to convince Rachel and Julia to come hang out with me at a Kansas State Park. It is my great pleasure to introduce State Parks Director Linda Lannerman to chat about the Kansas State Parks and all that they have to offer. Knowing Linda and her wonderful presentation skills, I know for a fact she's going to sell everyone on uh, getting Kansas State Parks on your bucket list. So if you haven't already been, uh, be sure to tune in and listen closely today because we have a lot of awesome things to share with you. So Linda, thank you so much for joining us. I know it was a little bit short notice on my end of letting you know, but we're so glad you're here and that you could fit us in on your busy schedule. Uh, would you mind introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about your background? Thank you, Tana, Rachel, and Julia. Appreciate you having me on today. Um, this is kind of a neat experience for us. I'm Linda Lannerman. I'm the director of Kansas State Parks. I've been the director since December of 2010. And wise, I was the deputy director since 1997. So we've got about 24, 25 years in with Kansas State Parks. It's a great place to work. And it's, uh, as you know, being outdoors and in the conservation field, it's just a fun environment to be in. So thanks for having me on today. I enjoy talking about Kansas State Parks, and this will be a fun experience. We're having a conversation prior to hit and record as far as some of your different roles and what it even looks like on a holiday. What does a typical day look like to you? I mean, is there a typical day? And then, you know, what did your career path look like? Just someone that wants that big picture of your position. Thanks for the question, Julia. So uh, Kansas State Parks, I think the beauty about working in the outdoor field like Kansas State Parks is your day changes every day. Sometimes you don't know what you're going to come into. And, and to be honest, you take it home with you. You cannot do this job without living it in a way that uh, the passion doesn't go away when you walk out the door, whether it's at five or six or 10 at night, your passion still stays with you. So typical day. I'm an accountant by education. It's kind of crazy to think about that, but I talk, deal with budgets and money all the time. And then supervision and leadership to your team to make sure that we are staying within our budgets, to make sure that our constituents are being served uh, in a positive way, and to make sure activities that are taking place in our state parks are ones that people will have a memorable experience. That's what we look for. We we are memory-making areas, and that's what we want people to see. As for my career path, I started out at Wildlife and Parks in HR, going through applications of all these individuals that were trying to get in this agency. I went back to college to get my degree, and my goal was to come back and be the HR director, Department of Wildlife and Parks. 
it just didn't happen that way. It's funny how things come, but I came back as the assistant chief of licensing and permits. After that, in 1997, our position came open as the deputy director of state parks and lo and behold, it did not require a natural resource degree. And so I applied. I read everything that you could imagine about Kansas State Parks, which I already had some familiarity about it because I was working in the agency and I got the position. And at that point, I took over the Land and Water Conservation Fund grants, the Rec Trail grants, all anything that had to do with the federal grant I oversaw and processed those grants. We applied for the AmeriCorps program and we have had an AmeriCorps program for over 22 years in our division. I ran that program. And then in 2010, our division director retired, Dr. Jerry Hover. He was my mentor. Um, he took a chance of hiring a female when there wasn't a lot of females in the role of state parks back then, if you want to think about that. I was young coming in. And it was just unusual. And so I'm so grateful for his trust in me and to recognize that I could do it. And so when he left our, our past administration, uh, Secretary Robin Jennison asked me to be the division director. We didn't have money. We were, we were making daily deposits to make it. And being my background in accounting, I knew immediately, you have to shrink budgets. You have to leave positions open so that we have the finances to operate because we didn't have the finances to operate. And today, I will tell you, we increased in revenue every single year. Our visitation has increased and we have more cash balance than we've ever had in Kansas State Park history. And so the last 11, 12 years here, we have done an amazing thing and it's our team. It's a, it's a leadership style to empower your team in the field to make decisions, to bring people in, to have activities that they'll want to come back and that you'll have memories. I, I'm inspired. I'm going to be honest <laughs> with you, Linda. Um, the, uh, and that doesn't happen very often, Tana, quite honestly, uh, <laughs> that you find me speechless. But I have to say that as a, as a younger female coming into the con and rec world, um, the conservation and recreation world, that it is through the guidance, the leadership, the struggles that those before us went through that blazed paths that we are able to be here, right? It took somebody to, to give you that handout to, to pull you up and to give you a little spark and ending the trust to go. And then you do the same for those uh, after you. And it, it's just awesome. And Julia and I have talked about this along with Tana about that's that's what we love about this podcast is the opportunity to talk to more and more women about how they got their start and how they got into it. And so it's just so cool to, to meet, uh, you know, maybe it's virtually, maybe it's actually in person someday, uh, but meet women and hear their story and, and their start. So thanks so much for sure. uh, sharing that with us. And for those of us that aren't from Kansas and we look at your website and see the state parks. So, so Linda, how many state parks are there in Kansas? So there are 28 state parks in Kansas. Uh, we're not a large system, but my dad used to say dynamite comes in little packages. And I like to think we're a dynamite system. 28 state parks, and we added two new ones in 2018, Little Jerusalem Badlands State Park and Flint Hills Trail 
which is a 117 mile trail and it's the eighth longest rail trail in America. Before these two state parks, we had not added a state park since Call River State Park, which was opened in 2010. So we still have some room to grow and these additions are great opportunities for Kansans to visit and get outdoors. Significant number of camping opportunities in our state parks also with over 3,200 utility campsites and over 4,000 primitive campsites. So we have a lot of places to camp. We also have about 120 cabins to rent if you want to forego the camping in a tent or you don't have an RV. Linda, you mentioned a little bit your skill in finance and budgeting. I think one of the common misconceptions that we see a lot or hear a lot of is people don't understand how wildlife parks and tourism is funded. Can you talk to us a little bit more about specifically how Kansas State Parks are funded? So Kansas State Parks at the beginning received some state general fund early on. And then we operate off our park fee funds. So that's a sale of our park permits. And we do have an entrance fee. And right now it's $5. Unless you buy a passport, which is when you renew your driver's, your tags at your DMV, you can um, get a park passport for $15.50. It's good all year and it will get you into any state park. So we are not allowed to use wildlife fees that come into this agency. Um, are in 2010, they reduced our state general fund and moved it over to the economic development fund, which is, is reasonable because we are an economic driver in the state of Kansas. Those dollars have continued to reduce down and today we're under 1.7 million in economic development funds, but our park fee funds grew and they grew and they grew. And I can, I can tell you that at this point, our park fee funds is the highest that it's ever been in the history of Kansas State Parks. That's a lot of factors to, that comes into that, that why that's taken place, but they have to be affordable too. I'm, I'm a strong believer that our state park system should be affordable for all, all people to come and enjoy. And so we are not allowed to use any wildlife fee funds. We're one of the few in the nation that's in a, a combined agency. A lot of the other state park systems are on their own and that's, that's how they're set and same way with uh, DNRs, but ours is one of the few. And so we, it's tricky because it's illegal to transfer money from the wildlife fee fund into parks. So we have to make our own. And so our budgeting on the park side is so much different than it is for the other areas because we have to, it's like your own personal checking account. You can't write the check if the money's not in the bank. We still have to go by the appropriation set by the legislature, but if the money is not there, if the cash flow is not there, you can't spend. And so I feel like our team has done an amazing job watching our expenses. It's not unusual for me to send out, don't spend, hold off until we see where we're at. Um, I will say the new technology allows us to see where our finances are almost immediately. That has helped in the last decade because before we didn't know that. So uh, technology has helped us so much in budgeting and learning what our, our value of our money is. I can't imagine operating that way. That just, that gives me the heebie-jeebies. Um, Linda, how can someone help support Kansas State Parks other than just camping, buying an annual vehicle permit? And um, what are some other ways we can support parks? So there's several ways. We always need volunteers. 
uh, we could not, we're really thin staffed. About 120 employees operate those uh, 28 state parks. And then in the summer, we hire a lot of seasonals, maybe two to 250 seasonal employees, but we have camp hosts that come into our state park systems in the summer months and they'll camp at one of our sites. We give that utility for free and then they help us clean our shower buildings, clean our cabins. Some of them will help us mow. They'll check customers in and out at, at the campsites. Volunteers, we, you see, I have the Epic Trail at Wilson State Park and we have volunteers that help us with that Epic Trail. All of our trails, our horse trails that are so popular at Perry State Park, we have a group of volunteers up there are, that are the best. And you know what, we need all ages to volunteer because as you see it, it's those that have retired that will come in and spend the day, but we need all volunteers. And finally, we do have a foundation. The Wildscape Foundation will help support Kansas State Parks or the agency in any level. And those foundations are, are good to help us for things that we couldn't also afford to give fund out of our own budgets process. So that's something else that I think is very valuable to this agency. That's great. And I have to say that camp host, I've always thought that, that would be a fun job, but what a great job for a returning college student that was home for the summer, get free utilities, stay out there at the campgrounds and help. What a great gig. They, they just have to keep their drinking to their off days. Oh man, Rachel's out. Can't afford <laughs> Sorry. No, they're good. We have college students come in. We have interns. Um, they're all good. I, I, we love them. So we, we love people to have fun too. So you can't come in and have a drink at a Kansas State Park. <laughs> That's so fun. Well, yes. one of the things I love about this podcast is we, we always try to bring, you know, women on and female experts in the field. And one of the recurring things we're seeing, and Linda, you're a perfect example of this, is not only do we have these strong, powerful women in these positions, but we have women that are willing to um, highlight their teams and lift up other women, lift up the volunteers that make their systems possible. And I just think that, that that's so commendable. And Linda, you're a great example of that. So we've seen that as a theme on the podcast and it's just awesome to see. You, you can't do it yourself. You just can't do it yourself. And, and not only that, uh, on a national level, so uh, Rachel and Julia, I know you're counterpart directors in those states. And I sat on the board for the National Association of State Park Directors and several national boards. And I teach at the State Park Leadership School. It's important to bring our teams to these events to let them connect with people in other states. So we don't have to reinvent the wheel. So if, if Iowa and Nebraska has some things going on, our team can connect and say, oh my gosh, we don't we don't want to reinvent this. We can do what you guys are doing. It's working. Or you can do the same and ask what's going on in Kansas. I like to talk trash all the time because we have trash problems so much. And it's like we're, well, last year, the pandemic, new users, and they didn't know where to put the trash. And it seems simple, but it's really not simple. And so I, I call my colleagues all the time and our team does, you know, how many dumpsters does it take? What size of dumpsters? That kind of thing. So simple, but so helpful. I saw a funny thing today on Facebook on my way to work that was something that had come from a game warden or a parks ranger, somebody, and they said that when designing a trash can for a park, it was really difficult because there's significant overlap between the smartest bear 
and the less than smart tourist. And so they said things like that can be tricky. So there's a lot at play there. Obviously, we don't necessarily have the bear issue in Kansas, but thank goodness. <laughs> thank goodness. Yeah, we don't either in Nebraska. <laughs> you mentioned working together and sharing why reinvent the wheel. And we're all there regionally, nationally for the same cause uh, to support the natural resources, to encourage outdoor recreation. And so you, you, we're not in competition between each no. other. And that's what we've been even going over in these last four episodes is highlighting all of our parks, our park systems, our opportunities. And it's not, you know, we, we kind of poke at each other as a competition, but it's more so just having fun. But in the end, it, we're all there for the same goal. And, you know, like Linda says, you, know, you, you talk with our administrators from Nebraska and Iowa and other states. And again, we're just we're there for each other. Tell us a little bit about the history of your parks. Like, I'm just a history buff. Last week, we talked about Iowa's historical park or the background of how the development. And now that Nebraska is in our centennial, I've learned a lot just recently about the history of our parks. What about, Linda, what was Kansas's first park? Canopolis State Park was Kansas's first state park in our system. So the legislature established Canopolis in 1955. Uh, this park was under the Park and Resource Authority. They were separate from the Fish and Game. And in 1987, the two agencies merged and became the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks. This was a bit of a tumultuous time for everyone in that funding could not cross over and we had to learn boundaries and still be good partners with each other. Uh, the funding streams were different and they required strict guidelines so it was certainly a learning curve when we merged. Then in 2011, tourism moved from commerce into our agency and we became the Kansas Department of Wildlife Parks and Tourism. Another change is coming this July though, and tourism will move back to commerce and we will go back to the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks. But we've so enjoyed tourism in our state park system because they give us a little more exposure on the internet and through um, Facebook and, and social media that maybe we hadn't had before. Um, so our state park system evolved. Like I said, we hadn't put a new state park in the system until Prairie Spirit, Call River State Park, and then Little Jerusalem Badlands State Park and uh, Flint Hills Trail. So we kind of were stagnant for a while. And then those other state parks come in. And I like to tell my team, you never know. You never know. Kansas is less than 3% uh, public land. So it's very precious to us when we have these acres that we oversee and to make them to where they're accessible to all individuals in, in the state of Kansas and across the nation. But at the same time, we have all these different funding sources. You know, how does that work? It's, it's just crazy how how many commonalities once you take a step back and really think about across the nation, we're certainly not the only ones. You had mentioned that the oldest park was the 1950s, which is, is really interesting because two, three weeks ago, we talked about Nebraska state parks. And then last week we talked about Iowa state parks. And here in Iowa, we dedicated our first one in 1919. And then 
Nebraska is now having their centennial. So to think that then, you know, 30 years later, Kansas officially had theirs, it's crazy to me um, that there was that gap, even though we're so close in proximity of each other. And you mentioned Flint Hills Trail and Little Jerusalem Badlands. Can you talk a little bit more about these new additions to the park system? You know, Little Jerusalem, that was a partnership with the Nature Conservancy. Jim McGuire is the landowner, and he contacted us many times to buy that land. And, you know, it just wasn't a a good fit for us to purchase land. Um, The legislature struggles with us buying land. And so the Nature Conservancy which executive director is our old uh, assistant secretary, Rob Manus, stepped in and they purchased Little Jerusalem for us. And it is 330 acres of just beautiful landscape that you would not expect in the state of Kansas. I I just really believe it's a diamond in the rough. And uh, it's by the Smoky Valley Ranch. It's Neobrod Chalk Formations in there. We call it Little Jerusalem because it looks like uh, something that you would see in the Middle East of Jerusalem when you go down there. We don't allow camping. We do have a naturalist there, Sarah Kay, and we do private tours. We do guided tours. We allow people to walk on the rim, but it is so fragile and it is so beautiful that I believe it's a must-see in the state of Kansas, period. Um, Ribbon cutting of Little Jerusalem October 12th, I'm thinking of 19, and then the pandemic hit. And so we did a lot of splash in October and it was cool that day and the governor came out and um, she was so good to talk to the public about that. But the fact of the matter is, we really didn't have the opportunity to showcase it last year uh, because of the pandemic. And so I'm hoping this year the visitation will pick up and the public will really feel comfortable going out to see Little Jerusalem. I have to interject real quick. For those of us that are spatially challenged and don't know, I had to Google it. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. And it's no different than Wildcat Hill State Park uh, from Nebraska a couple weeks ago. Dr. Google brought me to uh, (laughs) the aerial view. And so for those of you that are looking at the state of Kansas, we're talking like the far west, right in the middle of the state. So just south of I-70. You can't miss it. And for those of you in Nebraska, go south out of North Platte and you'll, you'll run right into it. And for those of you in Iowa, Google it. Um, you'll find it. So the pictures are stunning. I mean, no joke. It looks like the Middle East. It's absolutely beautiful. So back to you, Linda. I just wanted to interject. I do have another state park close to there that actually where the staff is housed out of. It's Historic Lake Scott State Park. It's in Scott County. Little Jerusalem is in Logan County. It's just 10 miles, I think, north of Historic Lake Scott State Park. But the team at Historic Lake Scott State Park will be the ones that do the tours. And we've got a beautiful facility there, but we're still needing to add an office right there. But we do have a restroom facility and it's gorgeous. It is absolutely something everyone should see. With school kids, hopefully this next year and this fall, we'll be able to get school kids out there and do tours. Uh, We've done special tours for all types of groups and people. And it's just a beautiful area. And I feel so fortunate to be a steward of that area because it truly is a conservation area. It is something we want to preserve. And 
we haven't had that in our inventory of state parks so much like this one, like your North Carolinas and you know some of those Virginias where they have such beautiful landscapes that it's just for preservation. We have been entrusted in that and I feel so grateful that the Nature Conservancy chose us. Yet another example of how our natural resources agencies are funding, supporting, conserving these land monuments that are unique and, and need to be protected for years to come. Our Scotts Bluff area, uh, Rachel and Iowa, your Luss Hills area, and now we're speaking within Kansas, uh, your little Jerusalem area. And well, it kind of goes back to that how are you supported? Where does it come from? Or where does it go? Where does it come from? Where does it go? And it's these funds that are going to protect these lands that, again, we can, in our time, our effort, our hourless day-to-day, uh, -day, night night-to-night protecting these, uh, these lands. And I appreciate you sharing and Kansas being able to offer this and hope that all of our listeners can go visit. When we introduced you, Linda, I said that I was pretty sure you were going to add some things to some people's bucket lists. And I think you've accomplished that just with your description of little Jerusalem alone. It is, it's truly amazing. And I think what makes it amazing, again, I'm going to say our staff, they're knowledgeable. I think you'll find when you go out there, Greg and Sarah Kay, they are totally in tune with what's going on out there. I'll give you a real quick funny. So we did our October 12th ribbon cutting and the next day somebody went on the trail and there's a rattlesnake on the trail and it was plastered all over Facebook that there's a rattlesnake on the trail. And we're like, yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's out there. <laughs> so wear your boot, be careful. But it was so funny because we just had our a ribbon cutting. And then the next day it was posted on Facebook, but there's a rattlesnake out there. Newsflash everyone. <laughs> yeah. So our next state park, let me just put a pitch in for our Flint Hills trail. This was an incredible project. Rail trail conservancy started this rail trail and it goes from Osawatomie to Harrington. It's 117 miles. It was all volunteers. So these volunteers came together. Here we talk about the greatness of having individuals come together to make a difference. And they applied for a grant. And typically with our RTP funds, which is trail funds, we don't have enough money every year to do a project this size. So the state of Kansas came in and with the help of the past administration, and we started taking ownership with the conservancy group let us take over ownership and it was approved through the legislature. We have a group of legislators on our board to help us make sure things are going good. And we've applied through transportation alternative grants through KDOT and KDOT has been such a great partner for us to get this project done. We have about 67 miles of the Flint Hills trail done and we have about 49 miles we still need to go. And to put that in perspective, that's about another, we'll need another 25, $30 million to finish this. And I mean, it's totally reconstructed. The base is taken down. We put a good base on, we clear the trees. We still have to be good partners with our landowners and put fencing up, which we continue to work on to this day. Um, but the Flint Hills Trail, is an amazing state park in our system. It doesn't cost to go in on this trail. We've done away with all of our trail 
fees. So the Prairie Spirit Trail and the Flint Hills Trail does not cost. The communities that embrace or ride on this trail have embraced us and they continue to have businesses pop up along the trail. We do bike rides, the trail ride in October that's 50 miles of it. Um, we continue to develop more amenities on the trail. And, you know, one of the questions I, we were asked about activities, bird watching is so amazing on this trail. So we've had people come from all over the nation to get on this trail and just to do bird watching. And so the Flint Hills Trail is also a must do in our state of Kansas. It goes through the Flint Hills. So each section is themed and as you ride, you'll be able to see, we'll be putting up signage that will say what this theme is. Uh, we'll have signature bridges, which some of them are up, but we're gonna decorate them, which we are taking donations for to try to get donors for signature bridges to where they are going to be a gathering place. Some of them are over the river. I mean, it's just a gorgeous area. And you know, when we look at that, we look at the Katy Trail, Missouri. So our partners over at Missouri, we've been over there and looked at the Katy Trail. They have rides. I hope we can uh, add more rides ourselves to where we can bring people with disabilities and take them on the trail just to see it. It's just a beautiful source for outdoor recreation for people. We do allow uh, e-bikes on there. So for those, it's just a 3% grade. And so as you ride that 25 or 50 miles, I struggled. So an e-bike would help those that struggled, AKA Linda needed the e-bike because <laughs> it was tough to ride that ride. But those that um, wanna go out and enjoy that trail, it's amazing. You mentioned a rail trail. Nebraska has a rail trail and that's our cowboy trail. Tell our listeners what a rail trail is. Sure, so the, so the rail trail story came in years ago. It's old abandoned rail lines and they may not be used anymore. And if, if they are rail banked by a group, then we can use them. But you always have to remember they could go back in service at some point. And so they were very, very controversial early on. So our Prairie Spirit Trail, when we brought it in the fold of our state park system, it was so controversial. It's tough for landowners to recognize that that shouldn't be theirs. And that's where the, that's where you come into your staff and working with landowners. I'm not going to say we're always going to win over every landowner, but you have to keep them informed. You have to let them communicate with them. You have to be sensitive to their concerns and their needs. And so those rail lines are, may, are making an alternative use of transportation that maybe we haven't had before. And so Prairie Spirit was a rail line and so is our Flint Hills Trail. And it's ground that not necessarily can be used agriculturally anyways would that be correct to say well i would say that we would say that but i think some of the farmers would like to take that over <laughs> probably sometimes uh yeah. but 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 it's more than that it's access so yes. you may have a farmer yep. on both sides of that that he owns grant and needs to get mm -hmm. access 
And so that's what I'm saying, working with those yes. farmers so that we're a good partner, that we are not um, a partner that's going to cause them grief. We want to be a partner for that. Solid so, points. And our waterways are the same way at absolutely. times where our, our smaller uh, creeks, our smaller rivers are the same same concerns with our landowners here in Nebraska as far as like as, as we're interviewing now you now that comes to mind because I see behind a probably a smaller river that they're kayaking we have some of those same waterway issues in Nebraska with uh, continued conversations with landowners and the benefits of to help us both out so let me tell you a little bit about that picture behind me that is the epic trail of Wilson State Park and so we do kayaking in Wilson State Park, but it's an epic trail. It's a bike, uh, a bicycle trail, and it is epic. So epic means you're going to never forget that once you ride that thing. And so it, it was named a, an epic trail in the U.S. It is an amazing bike trail. We have several bike trails in our state park system, but you got to go see that one. You got to go ride. Yeah, your legs are never going to forget that you rode that thing either, right, Linda? Yeah, and your heart beats pretty going yeah. down. It's a good, and it's so beautiful. Every view on Wilson Lake is so stunning. We, Wilson Lake is one of my absolute favorite um, state parks. Uh, my family grew up going there for family campouts every year, so it's near and dear to me. My partner and I just celebrated our two year anniversary by going and camping at Wilson Lake. So it's just, it's a wonderful place. That's another one we'd highly encourage everybody to go check out, right, Linda? Absolutely. And the water is very clear. They used to do scuba certification there. Isn't that right? With that clear That's, water? Absolutely. Yep. It's, it's beautiful. You're right. It's just a gorgeous area right off I-70. So go visit that one too. So growing up in New, New England, there's, a, there's this opinion that there's nothing between Massachusetts and California. And I think the last four weeks is the, the reoccurring theme is there's a lot to discover. Um, Osawatomie, Kansas has been on the family visit list for, well, it, it's like number two right now behind Yellowstone, um, mainly because of our love of Osawatomie John Brown. But right. so I'm going to encourage people to go to Osawatomie and then jump on the Flint Hills Trail and keep going west to ex because of the history that that's so integral with that area and Kansas. I mean, you can't talk abolitionists with without saying Kansas, without saying Jayhawker, and it's just awesome. My favorite Teddy Roosevelt gave a great speech there too. So a little plug for that neck of the woods. But if our listeners only have four places that oh, they've got to yeah. check out, I know I'm going to limit you because uh, we, we have a time deadline. But so I want to, are there four kind of unique, unusual features within the state park systems that you want to give a quick shout out to? Right up, you know, Canopolis is cool with Equestrian and Perry, but probably that's not as known as much as Cross Timbers State Park. It has oak trees, 100-year-old oaks going through there. You don't really think about Kansas as having a flowing um, landscape with trees and cross timbers. Elk City and Southeast Kansas both have that. They both have amazing trail systems. The uh, cross timbers has some amazing cabins there. Our cabin program we started years ago. And then Department of Corrections made some cabin for us. Some of those cabins at Cross Timbers were done by our staff with kits that we, we purchased. And 
you're not going to be disappointed with Cross Timber State Park. I also, you know, for those that are interested in history and stuff, historic Lake Scott State Park, um, the El Cordillero ruins are out there. I think also right there with Little Jerusalem, I don't think you can go wrong with going out west. And you think of Kansas out west, the drive out there is going to be, you know, prairie which is what we're known for, but it's still a beautiful area to go to. I also feel like in the Wichita area, Cheney and El Dorado, if you're planting yourself in Wichita, Cheney is the sailing capital of, of, it's one of the windiest reservoirs. It is in Kansas, but of the lower 48. And so it's got a huge uh, sailing group there. They are incredible partners. Uh, we continue to teach youth to sail. I hope that is never becomes a, a dying activity because that is something else. Um, have I hit my four yet? <laughs> I think so, but I'm loving the highlights. Yeah, I, I mean, they're all, you know, Cedar Bluff is out west. Uh, Milford is our largest reservoir. You cannot, Milford, we have a, uh, cabins there, but uh, we also have a partner up there that has cabins. Milford is a great area. We just opened a splash pad. I don't know whether Nebraska, oh, I'm sure they do, but we have a splash pad. It's the first one in our state park system. And we just did the ribbon cutting last Friday. And the reason why is in 2014, I was touring on 4th of July weekend and a mother had five babies. She was by herself camping on the shoreline and we had blue green algae. And I was riding with Ranger Levi and I had to say, we, we had to tell her to get those babies out of the water. And she looked at us and said, what am I going to do all weekend? Because she brought those babies just to have the weekend of 4th of July. And I'm like, okay, we have to have a solution for that. And we don't have a solution for blue green algae yet, but we have a splash pad. And I'm telling you those mamas and those babies and everybody's going to enjoy and are enjoying that splash pad. So that is our plug for Milford. Well, and Linda, we're, we're kind of in the peak of traditional camping season, right? Or in the midst of it, but um, your state parks also have adjacent wildlife areas. A lot of the times I grew up on Clinton Lake and I saw that Clinton just made the top 100 places to fish in the U S which is so exciting. There was a couple lakes that did that you have um, state parks on as well. So if you're out there doing a more traditional activity like fishing or like hunting in an area with a wildlife area, rather than stay in a hotel in town, check out those state parks and support state parks in the off season. Those cabins are great for hunters and it's a great time. We have two shooting ranges in our state parks. Hillsdale State Park, it's a great lake to fish. Also, uh, El Dorado State Park has a shooting range and an archery range. It's, there's a lot of activities in our state parks. I would just suggest call or, or go online, uh, ksoutdoors.com or travelks.com. Um, on on travelks.com, you, you gotta actually click on things to do and then you'll see the state parks, uh, parks and nature and you'll see state parks come up there. Uh, ksoutdoors.com, click on state parks and you can see each state park and what we have to offer in each one of those. We do have kayak rentals, uh, we have two yurts at Eisenhower State Park along with cabins. That's unusual. 
the public really enjoys those. So we have a lot of opportunities that you normally wouldn't see and it's affordable. With that, it's very, very affordable for all people to come. So you mentioned riding around with Park Ranger Levi. Will you tell us what a park ranger's position is? What do they do? You know, I'm familiar with superintendents in Nebraska, park superintendents, park staff. Uh, are they similar to what our our staff does in Nebraska? Or tell us what a park ranger's responsibility is even. Levi is now a manager, and that would be the same as your superintendent. And so during the, the busy season, which is our April through October, our team uh, are all law enforcement certified. So they do have statewide law enforcement uh, capabilities. That is not what every state park system does, but our state park system does have all rangers and managers are law enforcement certified. And we do that because we have a lot of people interactions. And this is my philosophy. Um, we don't always have the hammer. We always try to educate first, uh, but you, when you go out there and me, even as a female, I want to know that I'm safe. I want to know that there's going to be somebody there that I can call if something comes up because not everybody is always doing everything right. And so our state park rangers, we have a saying, and I know all the rangers across the United States know what this is, but we call it ranger first. So we're rangers, ranger first, we ranger, we are servants. We are there to serve and we are not there just to get you. We are there to educate you to, we want you to come back. We want you to have fun, but we also want you to obey our laws and our regulations. And so that is our philosophy in Kansas State Parks. But we are also there when somebody doesn't do something right or somebody that needs to be arrested, we can do it. And so in the off season though, and you may see a state park ranger on a mower. You may see him with a weed eater in his hand. You may see him mentoring AmeriCorps members and doing programming, interpretive programming. They wear a hat of everything. And so we call it ranger first. It's a national philosophy on what state park rangers do. I like that a lot. I feel like we need a She Goes Outdoors and Parks t-shirt that says Ranger First on the back. That'd be pretty cool. So Linda, earlier you had talked about um, some of the funding challenges that state parks face, and I don't envy you in that because it can be really hard to be predictive about that funding, I imagine, between um, pandemics, droughts, floods, who knows what else, cicada invasions. <laughs> I'm curious what the biggest challenges are, in your opinion, facing Kansas state parks today, if it is that funding or if it's something exterior from that. So Funding has always been a challenge in Kansas State Parks. Even more than that, it's juggling the weather. So 2019, we had historic flooding. Half of our state park systems were shut down. That can bring on your funding problems. And so if we don't have consistent funding, which we may not, then we're in trouble. 2020, when March came, and I didn't know if we were going to shut our system down or not, you know, you just come off of 2019 with a flood year with half your state parks and losing $2 million in revenue. And then we get into 2020. And so it's unpredictable. Uh, it's not stable like some of the others. And so I would say it's, it's difficult at times when you don't have a st stable funding source. And someday my hope is that state parks do have a stable funding source that we can count on to where we can operate and pay bills and and make sure our staff are secure in their 
in, in the positions and that we have enough positions to uh, keep doing the good work that they do. Absolutely. Linda, you shared a couple stories, one with uh, the young mom and her babies, and you've a couple other stories about the parks. And I, some of my great friends are park superintendents and work at the staff across Nebraska. And I just love sitting down and talking to them with stories, either being kind of the, their ear or just because they or hear their stories because they see the people. Uh, they're with the people um, night and day sometimes, helping them, seeing the smiles on their faces, hearing the stories, um, and just funny stories as well. But do you have any stories you'd like to share from Kansas? So um, when you when you think of stories, you it always involves people. And so um, this Sunday, I have a memorial service for Andy Woodard. He passed away during the pandemic time. He was the founding father, one of the founding fathers of our sailing club at Cheney Reservoir. Andy was the go-to guy. If we needed something in the legislature, he would go testify. Um, he, would, it, he was so instrumental to get young children, young kids, you know, grade school to learn how to sail. And they put that program together and so you can't help but think about memory, memories without thinking about people like Andy who volunteered in our state park system for the majority of his life. And so those types of memories that individuals that give of their time to help with, you can't forget. And so I think of people that volunteer, I think of our staff, you know, um, this past weekend, state park manager, Brian Haug, karaoke in the park and it was posted on Facebook and you know I think that interaction with them the public was just so good for that for Brian to step in and do that I I don't think he should leave his day job but he did a great job <laughs> of karaoke with the group that's not they're all that way they all interact with individuals I can think of the time when we had uh, capital campouts with the governors uh, where we would bring, which every, it was a national initiative and we brought underserved youth in and we got um, $30,000 donation to, for tents, sleeping bags that we gave the kids that came in from Coleman. You know, those types of initiatives to bring kids and get all kids outdoors is worth talking about. Um, our team is just incredible. They're funny, uh, they're fun. Sometimes their wit's a little dry. And as we get the, the younger crowd in, I'm trying to figure out if their emoji is they're excited or are they happy when they send me a text? And I'll have to look at that and think, is this excitement or is this, okay, Linda, I don't like what I'm doing. I haven't figured that out yet, but I am starting to learn a little bit more of these younger groups that we're bringing in as our and our staff on on what their emojis mean oh that's too funny <laughs> true true too funny but it's true <laughs> but linda you bring no i have a 22 year old and i i still am trying to figure it out <laughs> you bring such a, a valid point though i mean this podcast we, we try and be authentic we we are people right we all have our own lives we have whatever baggage behind us but we we're here and we're present and interacting with the public because this is us right all of us in this world might only get paid for 40 hours but i've not met somebody that doesn't work 60 to 80 
in a given week, right? We're all out there volunteering and, and, and putting our best foot forward. And so it's amazing to, to hear a, a, a supervisor, a director, a leader, really giving the kudos to their staff for being themselves and, and, and being there um, at all hours of the day um, and night. Uh, just just helping as as can be. So you mentioned a couple different resources, um, one being the ksoutdoors.com where people can learn about the state park system and other opportunities within the state. I know you also kind of mentioned some of the, the park's passport. Um, I know Kansas has a wonderful magazine and I've used your mobile app. Um, so can you talk about a couple more of your resources that the public and our listeners sure. can use to really get out and explore? We do have a mobile app. It's the Camp at KS app. And that allows you to go online and make a reservation through your phone. It's Android and an iPhone. Um, that's been really helpful for individuals to go on the road and, and not have to do it on their home computer. Um, they can go on immediately and look and see if there's a site available, especially during COVID. We went almost 100% reservable just to keep uh, interaction from the public to our staff to keep our staff safe and the public safe. And so it turned out actually pretty beneficial to have that app for us. Uh, we continue to have a lot of sites reservable. So if, if they don't see something on there, we always encourage people to go ahead and call the park office. Um, we answer our phones. And so um, if you can't get a hold of somebody, call me because I certainly can. But we try to we try to answer our phones and to help people because we are the ones on the ground and they know, they know what's going on. And um, I'm not saying that people don't have a bad day when they come in the office, but we try to really make every interaction a positive interaction. And um, our 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 magazine. Um, we have articles that we have a great staff that's doing magazine uh, articles through our uh, education and our uh, communications team. And Tana is actually part of that. So putting those articles together, those are, you know, so good for the public. And I will get calls often about something that showed up in the magazine. And we have people that are savvy enough to grab some pictures and place those on Facebook it's not often, but once in a while, I'll have to say, oh, mm, take that down <laughs> if something is posted by our team. But we let our team kind of take the action shots and post them on their Facebook page uh, so it's real, so you know what's going on. We empower them to do that. And if there's something that comes up that wouldn't look right, I don't have a problem saying, mm, maybe I ought to take that one down. But uh, pretty much it's good information for the team and the public to follow them on Facebook. And what happens is, those individuals become intimate with our staff. They know what's going on. They don't mind calling them up. I think that's what's important because again, that user came one time, we need them to come back. And so, and we want them to come back. We want them to use these facilities that we have. So our Kansas Magazine, our Campa app, our Facebook page, uh, Travel KS, all are options to where you can uh, look at state park information. And I'm going to challenge our, our listeners. A annual vehicle pass is 25 bucks. If you buy it in a state park, it it's is. $25. It's purchase, stick it on your car. You don't even have to go. That's but right. Get, get 
$25 out of your pocket and get a pass. I just bought mine. I'm looking forward to going to one of your fishing parks because I think that's amazing that you have that whole designation. So I'm looking forward to that trip, but get out there, do it. And then camping fees, some of the camping sites are 10 bucks. Where can you do this? Where else can you, you know, I can't even take the family to the movies for $35. So I know I've used that reference so many times. I'll get off my soapbox, but get on ksoutdoors.com and uh, and get to your uh, checkout because um, it's totally worth it. The money's clearly being used for such good things within the state of Kansas. One thing I'll say, Rachel, is we do have accessible sites. We have accessible activities in our state parks. So we want to encourage everybody to come out and challenge us to do better. I think that's the whole goal. You're never satisfied with what, what you've been doing. You always need to challenge your team to keep, you know, expanding their activities and things that we can do in our state parks and do it better. And so uh, we don't know if you don't tell us. We have had an amazing conversation. I just, I've, the last few weeks, I love listening and hearing about the park systems in other states, how we compare, how we're hardly different at all, and just definitely motivated to to travel. Uh, Linda, we appreciate your time. Is there anything that we've missed that you want our listeners to, to know? All I'll say is, again, um, I think Kansas is a great place, and you don't think about Kansas. You know, I've heard, Rachel, you said something about from the East Coast to the West Coast, and and the story of Kansas being in Nebraska and Iowa being a flyover state. We are not. We have great facilities, great uh, landscapes to visit, and history. It's not just that. So if you are getting out and you are doing it um, vacation and want to hear some history and see some locations. Kansas is a great place to do that. Awesome. Well, I think it's safe to say that to all of our listeners, you can count this as a personal invitation from director Linda Lannerman to come out and enjoy the beauty, the relaxation, the excitement and adventure that Kansas State Parks have to offer. I would encourage all of our listeners, if you have any comments from today or questions for Linda, do reach out to us on the team, you know, Julia, Rachel, or I, and we'll put you in touch with Linda or relay your comments or questions to her and get back with you with the right answer. Linda is a champion for making herself and her team accessible and answering those questions. So uh, we want to, we want to keep that going. And Linda, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. It was short notice, but we're so glad we got you on. Be sure, folks, when you make it to the parks, to tell them that Linda sent you and the She Goes Outdoors team sent you. Um, maybe you'll get a little shout out there. And if any of our listeners end up karaokeing with park staff, please, please, please post that on the She Goes Outdoors Facebook page because I got to see it. That's so fun. Sure. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. And you guys get outside. Absolutely. We will do that, Linda. So uh, thanks to all our listeners. Just another reminder from the She Goes Outdoors team, be safe, have fun, and never stop adventuring. We'll see you outdoors. Outdoors.